You're listening to the 21 Gun Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Sullivan. This is the interview portion of the live Thursday night episode. Every Thursday, 8 p.m., we go live. Head over to 21gun.net, spell it out, 21gun.net, and see the archives of all the live episodes we did. They're about twice as long as these interviews, so uh, make sure you head over there and check those out. Tonight's special guest is C.W. Lemoyne. Uh, if you don't know who this guy is, seriously, just Google him and pages and pages and pages will come up on this guy. He is an author of military slash espionage thriller novels. He is a graduate of A.B. Freeman School of Business at Tulane University, New Orleans. After graduating college, Lemoyne joined the Air Force Reserve where he flew F-16s and accumulated 1,000 hours, including a combat-torn Iraq. Lemoyne later transferred to the Navy Reserve where he flew F-A-18 Hornets for four years. He currently flies the 737-800 for Legacy U.S. Airlines and T-38s for the U.S. Air Force Reserve as an adversary pilot. CW started a YouTube channel back in 2018 hosting a weekly show called Mondays with Mover. Since then, his channel has grown to over 300,000 subscribers. Really cool guest. I enjoyed talking with him. Uh, we also announced, I think at, at uh, some point during the interview, we, we had Nate McDonald and Anna Hunter break in and announce the winners uh, for our telethon raffle. You guys really killed it. It was about a, a little over a week ago, if you're listening to this now. Uh, last Sunday, we raised over $10,000 by doing a three-hour episode. We had a lot of people from Vet TV on. We had uh, coordinators from all over the country and the leadership team of the Reverend Warriors. So head over to 21gun.net and listen to that episode. That's all I have uh, for tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this. So without further ado, C.W. Lemoyne. There he is. Hi. What's happened? Did I say your name right? Sure. What Lemoine? Lemoine? Lemoine. It's like Des Moines. It's very easy. It's, it's oh, Lemoine. yeah, I see. Yeah, like a... It's French. Well, welcome to the show. This is... Now, I'm violating one of my one of my rules. Uh, usually, I have to have a, a third in the room because you get two aviators together. It's like having two fishermen in the same room. And okay. And... We end up just talking. <laughs> so there you it was. One rule. Yeah, there's yeah, one yeah. rule. No, you broke your run, one rule, Batman. I know. I know. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. So here's the thing. When researching guests, I usually go on there and I'm like, ah, Ooh. Echo and Ramadi. That's who it was. Scott Husing wrote. This is from the. <laughs> it yeah. just came out of my brain right at the very beginning. He wrote a book called Echo and Ramadi. Fantastic book. Um, but when I do research, it's usually, okay, this guy, you know, he was a, a Marine uh, infantry officer, wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. And then I read the book and things are easier. Researching you, it's like, I don't know if I should introduce you as a pilot, a, a veteran, <laughs> a fighter pilot. Maybe I need to uh, Krav Maga a instructor, a YouTube guy, author. Just, just a regular dude, just a normal guy, a dude playing a dude, trying to be another dude. Yeah. Why? Uh, and I'm going to ask, you do so many things. What? are you just, are you like me? Do you get bored and you find that you have to, you have to stay busy? No, I, I just, I like stuff. You know, I, I find something I'm interested in. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do it. And then, you know, it helps not having, uh, you know, wife and kids because, you know, you got more time. Yeah. But, you know, you find something that you're interested and passionate about and then start doing it. And then eventually it leads to something bigger and, and better. 
Yeah. And people, um, is there a way you can turn your mic volume up a little bit? It's a little quiet. Can you turn it up on your yeah. side? Yeah, I just did. I think it sounds a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I, I think, so I, I had a therapist. <laughs> I love getting into that stuff. So I had a therapist who was like, uh, I, I was in denial, right? I was in denial that I had anything going on. What, what ended up, it's a long story. The listeners know about it. I don't want to get too far into it, but I fell in the aircraft and I landed on my skull uh, and woke up a long time later and then had these weird symptoms from that point on. But one of them was, hey, go see a, a therapist. And she said to me, she goes, I dare you to go outside on a Saturday and lay down on a hammock and, and don't do anything. Don't plan on anything. If you hear someone's lawnmower going, don't run up and do your lawnmower. Don't trim your bushes. Don't do anything. And she said, if you can do that, then yes, you're probably fine and you can move on. She said, but 99% of veterans cannot relax. They always have to be doing something. So I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's the reason uh, folks like yourself are, are super busy. Yeah, I, I don't really stop. You know, that, that's been one of the things I've started doing kind of this stuff more full time lately. Mm -hmm. And it's it's been yeah, it's tough because you don't know you lose time management skills because you're always like, I got to get this done. I got to work. I got to like the work never stops. So, I, I yeah, I absolutely. Uh, I see that as a both a gift and a curse because you just never want to stop working. Yeah, I figured out that it, there's actually if you work. If you work at it, you can eke out about 27 hours out of a day. Uh, you got to pull back a little bit on the, um, what do you call it? The, the sleep, <laughs> maybe, maybe increase your caffeine consumption. Uh, but it is possible. You can get, you'd be surprised how much you can get done in a, in a single day. Well, some of it too is just procrastination. You know, it's that, oh, especially as a pilot, you've got that little bit of ADD going. So. It's very easy to, to work on multiple things at one time and get nothing done. You know, you're like, oh, I need to edit this video. Nope, I want to work on this. No, I've got to do this. And then you end up like multitasking your way through four or five different things and you never stop moving around. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I did your introduction, I missed some stuff too. I mean, you work with LEO, you were an EMT. Uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, ridiculous. You're just reading their website, man. That's, that's, it's the website. It's all, that's it's what all it's fake. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> Uh, with everything that, oh no, did we lose you? Don't tell me we lost CW. Four. Oh, oh no, you're back. You're back. I'm um, here. with, with everything you do, what is your, what's your favorite pastime? What is, what, what relaxes you and, and kind of centers you? Oh God. I, you know, I like going to the track. I like racing, you know, taking the car to the track other Dude. than the sheer terror of I'm going to ball this car up and I can't replace it. You're a race car you know? driver too? Well, I mean, just, just <laughs> not, not, not like professional, you know, just more of a, you know, go to a track day and, and drive fast kind of yeah. race car. Not, you know. What, what do you drive? <laughs> uh, I've got a 2019 ZR1. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm a Tesla guy. Uh, don't oh. hate. <laughs> Oh. don't hate but my oh. neighbor my neighbor is an an f-15 eagle driver and uh oh. i brought i brought him out oh. on the street and i put my pedal to the floor and he's like this has got so much more power than my freaking strike eagle <laughs> yeah. strike eagle oh god oh, oh well we'll yeah. get into the we'll get into the questions yeah. about f-16s f-a-f-a-18s <laughs> and all that stuff um so I have a lot of writers, and I just mentioned that, who come on the show, and we talk a lot about the process of writing. 
mm-hmm. how do you how do you approach sensitive topics that like do you have a DOD minder? Do you have someone that actually looks at what you're writing and says yay, nay, or or how does that work? Do you submit it even though it's fiction? Do you well, still have to submit and go through the process? Initially, yes. I mean, as I mean, we're on book eleven. Like the stuff I'm writing now has nothing to do with the DOD. You know, okay. everything you know as 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 I stray farther away from the DOD, uh, you know, it, it becomes more and more fictitious and you know just made up. There is no um, like the one I'm working on now is it's a law enforcement guy, so there is no oh, okay. you know DOD related stuff for any of that stuff. And you know, it, initially, yeah, I had uh, intel. Uh, where I was working there, you know, take a look at it and go through it and, and stuff like that. But uh, after that, there is no uh, real process for what I'm doing now. Have you ever written nonfiction or are you a strict fiction yeah. guy? Fiction, okay. Yeah. Wait, is this something since you were a kid, you like to write stories or do you fly, do you find like maybe you're going over the pond and you're like, I'm just going to write a story in my brain. Like where, where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, I, I was, after my mom died, I used it as kind of a coping mechanism. You know, okay. I, I wrote kind of a, a short, you know, 40,000, 39,000 word, almost a novel. And, um, you know, I shelved the idea and then I was actually deployed and, you know, you sit there, you start reading Vince Flynn novels and stuff like that. And you're yeah. like, wow, oh, this is interesting. But you know, what if we did something else? And I wrote like five chapters after that and kind of never touched it again. And then when I was transferring between the Air Force Reserve and the Navy, I had a lot of downtime. And I'm like, well, let me see if I can finish this and uh, scrap the story, rewrote some things. And then, uh, you know, the first book uh, ended up working. I mean, I nice. finished that and I got to the point where I could write a full length novel, like 80 to 90,000 words or more in about 60 days. Oh, wow. Um, impossible to do that now, but used to. I mean, it used to be a, a possibility. Do do you ever surprise your... So I'm I'm a f- facts guy. I mean, not that there's no facts in, in uh, fiction, but I like to tell stories, but I like interview stories. I like to go in to find out what happened and, and more about the background on, on people. Do you find that... Uh, well, I was going to say, can you compare the fiction with the nonfiction uh, process? But I guess you can't. Do you have to structure a story beforehand, like uh, get the whole thing out? Or does it just sort of happen and you're learning as you're going? Some people do. I mean, a lot of people say outline and, and they go through a structured process. I don't and I never have. Uh, okay. I mean, I'll have a basic idea of kind of where it's going. But yeah. it's mostly like I have outlined before and I've never actually gone back and looked at that outline ever. Because, nice. you know, I like to say the characters tell the story. So yeah. it's it's more of I'll be writing something it getting into the care. It's like an interactive video game, right? You're choosing kind of what choices they're going to make. And then you're like, OK, well, how would that play out? And trying to figure out, you know, you're just you're just playing it out in your mind. And then, you know, you go, OK, well, is that realistic? Would that work? Would that not work? And stuff like that. So you kind of you kind of just choose your own adventure. And then eventually, you know, you have a story and. Uh, it ends up creating more plot twists than you expect. And sometimes it surprises you, you know, you're like, yeah. oh, wow, well, that's a good idea. That works. That was one of my questions. Do you ever get surprised and say, oh shit, the main character's dead. Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. do I go yeah. now? I mean, there's, there's times where you're like, if I write this out, he dies. And, uh, I've done that, you know, where I have had major characters that I've killed off and people are like, how'd you do that? I'm like, well, there's gotta be consequences, you know? Just happens. <laughs> you should have done that. Yeah, you know? it's out of my hands. <laughs> Sucks for him. I didn't choose that. You know, I didn't tell him to do that. Has, has, uh, we'll only talk a few more minutes about writing, but has, um, 
anyone ever read your book, say like a cousin or I don't know if you have any brothers or sisters and are like, Hey, that's me. You totally put me in that book. Oh my God. I not cousins, squadrons. I, squadrons. I, my, so that first book, um, was set in Homestead. I was originally stationed in Homestead. And the only reason it was set in Homestead is because I needed a place for an F-16 to go to another country that was really close. Okay. And they say, write what you know. And I knew Homestead and I knew the distances between various, you know, countries and stuff. And I'm like, it has to be in Homestead. So I made it up, you know, I made up a fictitious, you know, F-16 model. I made up fictitious squatter and call signs, all that stuff. But then I find out later, because I'd already left the squadron, that you know, guys are like, okay, well, that one's me, <laughs> and that one's me. And what eventually happened, you know, as the lore of the squadron progressed, was people said that I wrote a tell-all autobiography. Oh, like no. That, that is how that, that, that happened. In fact, I was in an interview one time for a, a, a job, you know, and as you know, we are our own worst enemies. It could be the biggest sorority ever. Yeah. Um, and the guy goes, all right, well, tell me about your books. I'm like, well, I wrote fiction, whatever. He's like, uh, did you get permission from your bros before you wrote about them? <laughs> I said, I didn't. He's like, oh, you're making money off the backs of your bros. That's, you know, you, you should be, you should have asked them before you wrote a book about them. I'm like, it's, it's did fiction. Some, did I miss something? <laughs> did they, did, did something happen that made this actually happen? You know, cause that's happened to like Tom Clancy and Vince Flynn where they sure. wrote something and eventually it just, you know, it happened. But as far as I know, none of that stuff ever became real. You know, it was all, yeah. all fiction and stuff. And now granted, sometimes I'm terrible with names, like really bad with names. So, you know, with call signs and stuff, I would create call signs that sounded real similar be to like real call signs because you, there's only so many different variations of cool call signs that you can come up with. Right. Yeah. There's, there's only so many different ways you can, make a call sign without, you know, turning into Top Gun and being Maverick and Iceman and all that stuff. So, and then sometimes, you know, you're just playing off of last names and that's just how the, how the character develops. But yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting experience just because yeah, people automatically assume that's me. Yeah. I would be terrified to write a book because I'd be too honest and, and, yeah. you know, I served with some awesome people, some, there were some great guys in my squadron. There were also some shitbirds, I guess we call them yeah. <laughs> slugs and they're part of the story, right? They're, you can't, you can't tell the story without them, but how do you do it? You know, how do you talk about it or, or God forbid someone that, that passed away in a plane crash, how do you approach that person's story and do it with respect and do it also with yeah. telling the truth without blowing smoke up someone's ass? It's like, God, I, well, that, that happened in band of brothers. Uh, oh, really? in fact, I was, I was watching a clip on YouTube the other day of a band of brothers and, um, Ross from Friends, the whatever, uh, Captain, yeah. the Captain guy. Yeah, he's hated. I mean, yeah. you know, they created a character that you want to hate. Yeah. But, you know, somebody actually wrote in the comments that the guy ended up, you know, fighting in other wars. He became a hero. You know, he served his country. But, you know, he ended up, actually, I think he ended up trying to commit suicide and failed. So yeah, I think I read that. Living, living the rest of his life in a, a VA hospital, you know, because you just, I mean the bullet went through and through and didn't actually, you know, shut anything down. Yeah. And, um, it, it was that story. It was like, well, this guy's actually a hero, you know, part of the greatest generation who actually was, yeah, he, he wasn't the best at tactics and combat, but he was really good at training people and they put him in a combat situation and he just didn't succeed. 
And you think about that, you're like, yeah, we just we're rooting against this guy, but he was yep. actually a real person that, you know, you actually he he was a hero, you know, at the end of the day. So that's tough. It's like uh, Captain America on uh, Generation Kill. Same thing. Uh, and, and I think about that when I'm watching it. I'm like, this guy's got to be watching this somewhere, unless unless you make up a character uh, and a, what yeah. do they call that? Amalgamation of of all the you know, of a certain type of people. And then you give them a fake name. And then if someone infers that that's them, that's on you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's well, an well, asset of all anyway. authors. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah, if yeah. it's fiction, they'll be like, that's me. That's like, okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I asked that of all authors. Cause it's, it's, it's probably the only thing, uh, that in time, but the only reason why I don't write myself is because I don't know how to approach these things. Uh, I would love to be honest, but I also, I don't know. It, it's, I, I don't know if I can get over that. Yeah. Uh, I want to move over to Krav Maga because, uh, with all the, the interviewing I do with, with veterans, I find that veterans tend to go towards the martial arts, especially after transitioning. Um, a lot of guys do. In fact, there's, I thought I was wearing the shirt. It might be back here. Um, 22 until Valhalla. He, I believe he's got a, a jujitsu thing. Um, anyways, there's a bunch of groups and they, they, uh, you know, they make their own geese and all that stuff. What is it about martial arts that attracts veterans? Well, I mean, in fairness, I haven't done Krav Maga in years. I mean, it's, it's been a while as far oh, as really? currency, especially when I moved here. Cause what I, when I was in Homestead, um, I, I, one of the pilots in the squadron is like, Hey, I do this. You know, it's, it's a lot of armed, unarmed stuff, uh, defense against weapons and stuff. I'm like, that sounds really cool. And I had, again, just come back from the desert where, you know, one of the real threats of being in Iraq was if you jump out, dude, they're not going to take you alive. Nope. You know, it's not, yeah. gonna, it's not going to be a, uh, Oh, Hey, you're a POW and we'll negotiate your release. They're probably going to cut your throat. So. It, it was kind of out of necessity and also I started doing it and just enjoyed it. And the guy I was training with was a really awesome guy. He was a uh, helicopter pilot in like the six day war, actually crashed his helicopter. He was uh, shot down, was paralyzed from the waist down and then got himself back walking. And in an Olympic event later, he hurt himself again and still once again, got himself back to, I mean, not, he, he wasn't a karate champion anymore after that, but he definitely was able to walk again, uh, at least get around. And it was just such an amazing story to see this old Israeli uh, sensei who had overcome so much now teaching how to, to fight. And Krav Maga is, of the martial arts, it's very simple. Like there's yeah. not a lot, I mean, it's des by design, it means contact combat. It By design, there's not, a lot of movements there's not a lot to learn you know because it's it was designed for the israelis to survive everybody wants to kill them and they needed a way to to kill their attacker whether it's kill their uh will kill, kill their ability or kill them yeah uh, they just needed quick effective uh tactics and that's what they did now what my sensei did and what a lot do is they mix it with something else. I mean, I know a lot do with mixed martial arts. Some do it with jujitsu. Some do with, like uh, mine, we did uh, karate. Okay. So you add that to get that cardio component, to get a little bit of that discipline, to get a little bit more movement and, and stuff like that to it. But just at its basic level, Krav Maga is a very simplistic 
um, self-defense. It's really all it is. It, it boils down to getting yourself out of a bad situation. Yeah, jujitsu is. I mean, it's a it's a competition, right? You're yeah. you're you basically train to compete and train to win. But it's it's also fantastic at at uh, self defense. I remember a, a Krav Maga Maga guy came to uh, my gym that I was training at, and uh, he was kind of giving us just some some of his you know pointers or whatever. I think it was just a clinic, but he was talking self defense wise, and he said, and, and this always stuck with me. He says, in the event that you're gonna save your life. You have to be prepared to do the unthinkable, normally the unthinkable that you would do to a, an opponent, gouging eyes, you know, crushing oh, yeah. windpipes. And it's like, get that out of your head, dig your fingers in. And it's like, wow. And, and he's right, because in a yeah. situation where I have to save my life, it, if you're training to not hurt someone, <laughs> it's it's a yeah. it's an obstacle to get over. That's why I carry a gun. I'm not yeah. <laughs> digging my well, fingers there, in and, someone's and eyes. The thing is, there's no... It, is, it does not translate well into fighting competitions because there is no tapping out. There is no, uh, yeah, we do eye strikes, groin strikes. I mean, everything, all the sensitive areas of the body, that's what you're attacking. You know, you're yeah. not sitting there. And we really don't want to grapple. You know, the idea is not to get on the ground and not to get, you know, into this prolonged thing that where you're going to exhaust yourself. Um, it's to you know, neutralize the threat and move on to the next threat because the assumption that the Israelis had was that there's going to be threat after threat after threat after threat that they're going to have to deal with and they don't really have time to sit there and, and grapple with a guy, um, which is why it's terrible for law enforcement. You know, it's not a very good, um, I mean, there are some joint manipulation techniques, but as far as what it translates to, it's really civilian self-defense and military yeah. exclusive where, where it really shines because you start getting into law enforcement now you're injuring yeah you know, destroying tissues stuff, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 not it's a last resort you know this is this is what you're doing because you have no other options so yeah awesome so what what initially drove you towards the air force and to be a pilot i mean it's it's not an easy easy thing to get selected to be a rated officer so what was your path towards that yeah, I mean, I, I'm lucky, dude. I'm average. You know, I mean, I always say that because it's more of a I didn't give up than, you know, I was any kind of special, you know, astronaut type, superhuman type or anything like that, you know, because everybody thinks, oh, you're a fighter pilot. You're, you know, God's gift to aviation. Well, <laughs> keep thinking that. First of all, I'm OK with that. But second, it's just not true. You know, I I had astigmatism when I was a kid and I had an optometrist say, you're never going to be a pilot. I mean, you're just, you don't have the eyes for it. You have to have 20-20 vision. I was gonna go down the Air Force Academy road. I had, you know, the the Senator, you know, I was on the list. I was gonna get the appointment and stuff. And then when she said that, I'm like, mm -mm, no, if I can't go fly, I'm really not interested right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I turned it down, stopped that. And then luckily this was about the time the internet was, you know, you could get information from the internet. And I don't know if you've heard of baseops.net, it's flyingsquadron.com yeah. right yeah. now. But I just, you know, happened to be like, I kind of forgotten. Like it wasn't that I thought that I was gonna overcome, it was just I'd kind of forgotten what the optometrist said. And I'm like, well, maybe it's, she's wrong. And my dad was army guard and he said, why don't you try the air guard or the air force reserve? And I found information on that website and luck would have it, a guy private messaged me and he said, hey, Here's the contact information for the two squadrons in New Orleans. Why don't you try them? You know, because I'd ask them, I'd ask for more information. And I called them up and I'm like, hey, 
I want to be a fighter pilot. I'm a junior in college. What can I do? And the guy's like, dude, well, first of all, graduate. Yeah. And, you know, second, you know, you're, you're not ready yet. And I'm like, okay. So as luck would have it, uh, that guy, I, I actually tried to do ROTC uh, because I transferred schools. And they were like, well, you transferred. You're about to be a junior. We're not really sure if you're going to get a pilot slot or not. And it just so happened at that time, um, they went on a field trip to New Orleans um, and talked to this major who was the DO because I'd gone to the Air National Guard. and He's like, you got to enlist. I'm like, I got a scholarship. I can't I can't get away from college right now. I can't go enlist. And um, this other unit said, ask, you go, hey, you know, this guy and the ROTC guy just happened to know me. And I was working at the gym one day and he goes, hey, you need to call this major. Like, okay, what for? He's like, he wants to offer you a job. I'm like, a job? He told me, he told me to call back later. He said, no way. He's like, ah, just call him. So he calls me. So I call him back and he goes, hey, um, I've got this thing called a student hire position. You can work as a GS3, as a stock clerk in the squadron. If we like you, we'll give you a pilot slot. If we don't like you, then you just got some civil service time, you know, and it probably pays more than what you're making. I'm like, that's how I'd do it for free. This sounds awesome. So that's what I did. I worked as a student hire in the squadron and um, kind of forgot about the vision thing. And they liked me and Katrina happened and they're like, we're going to give you the pilot slot. You know, you're going to go to the A-10 uh, just somewhere else because our, our unit's closing. And uh, when they sent me to Brooks, uh, which is where it used to be, now it's right, Pat, they, um, they said, yeah, you're, you actually do have uh, excessive astigmatism because they did the retinal topography and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, so now what? And I'm like, yeah, we'll see. And just so happened the unit, you know, went to bat for me. And the, the guy, funny story, the guy that disqualified me but then went and helped me get the waiver uh, at Brooks, one day emailed me because he saw the channel and he's like, hey, I'm the guy that got you the waiver. Oh, nice. I'll help you with anybody else. You know, I, I think this is an awesome story. Yeah. And so that that's what it was. I, you know, I just didn't, I didn't stop. I didn't quit. You know, I, I struggled with the depth reception tests at, you know, at MEPS and I struggled with all the stuff and I just kept pushing, kept pushing and just not, not self-eliminating. And eventually I got the pilot slot. I went to OTS, the unit closed and they said, Hey, by the way, because of Katrina, we're just not bringing jets back here ever. We're going to accelerate the BRAC. So I started calling units and Homestead answered and said, Hey, come on out. We'll interview you. And they liked me and off to Vance. I went to fly, uh, uh, T-38s and T-6s. And then, uh, that was, that was the rest was history. Ended up back at Homestead and then eventually nice. the Navy reserve and now T-38s at, uh, Air Force reserve. So you're, are you, is that a civilian or are you still, uh, no, uh, I'm still, reserved. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the F-16 is interesting, right? Cause it's, it's a cool aircraft, but it's kind of over, right? I don't think we have, I think it's the most numbers out of any aircraft or any platform in the, in the air force fleet. Right. I think there's like, yeah. I don't even know how many there are, what 5,000 <laughs> making oh, that up, but there's a lot of F-16s. But it's like the A-10s get all the glory with their close air support mission. Plus the A-10s just a freaking cool plane. And the yeah. F-15s, of course, the Strike Eagles. Everyone loves an F-15. Uh, you got a chance with the F-18, um, which is like, you know, it's it's equivalent of an F-15. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the other one? Um, oh, and then you got, of course, the, the Raptors and the, the, I don't even know what you call the new F-35. Um, what's that? It's Fat Amy. 
Fat Amy. That's <laughs> 35 is Fat Amy. Nice. I like it. Actually, um, they're calling it the Panther now because 60% of the time it works every time. Nice. I'm not even nice. kidding. They're, that is the nickname. Wow. That's pretty cool. Fat Amy, but anyway, continue. That's pretty cool. Oh, man. I just looked down her at 8.54. Okay. Um, I guess the, the, the point of that question is, uh, oh, I was going to get into the, the mission and all that of, of the F-16. I don't think we'll be able to. Uh, I don't think we're going to have time to do that. Um, let's get down into some some deep questions okay uh yeah yeah. let's go with uh do you think as long as they are building fast moving machines there's going to be people who want to operate them and and what i mean by this is that we see this push for unmanned aerial vehicles ai technology ai weapon systems um at at what point do you think the generals (laughs) the guys who make the decisions who have wings and air medals are going to say no 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 no. we're putting people in that plane or do you think it's going to go to that uh you know complete autonomous weaponry i mean eventually probably i mean at at which point you know when you have fully autonomous military at what point at that point what is the point you know now it's just a production slash attrition right you're just whoever can manufacture more is the one that wins yeah, and you're um, taking yourself out of the equation too. I mean, right? It's, it's a pilot has to make decisions when they're going to drop a bomb, and I don't know. I mean, it, it comes down to the same. I have this debate all the time with my father-in-law. Would you rather a, a robot do an open heart surgery on you or a doctor who can have a bad day? <laughs> you know, yeah. might, maybe didn't sleep well last night. Maybe didn't. It's like, man, I don't know. I I I also feel like that if it ever does go that route, first of all, it would be a sad day because. Uh, I mean, as the aviator in me loves flying machines, but uh, if it ever goes that route, I feel like that the UN or somebody's going to step in and say, I mean, no, stop it. This is getting ridiculous because it, once you start taking the human element out of warfare, uh, I mean, it's it's like a it's like a nuke, right? There's no human element in that. It just destroys unwittingly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's 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 my deep dive into that question. <laughs> uh, when did you start your YouTube channel? 2018 spring of 2018 i think it was april april or may and what what was your goal with that just uh originally it was just going to be a car channel with books oh really it was it was yeah my friend talked me into it he's like dude you know it's just another way to reach your subscribers and and followers you know because i had the facebook page and all that stuff is just to get to let them get to know you and and let them kind of see the other side and I was always in the car channels and stuff like that so I was like well my first vlog will be I was going to buy a Camaro you know and that was mm-hmm. the whole thing and um, I had no idea that it would morph into what it's become today and it, what really took off was I, I basically the story we just told about how I became a fighter pilot is yeah. the video that you know if you watch the analytics I've got like 60 subscribers 60 subscribers and then that video and then it sits for a while and then for whatever reason you know the YouTube algorithm being all-knowing as it is yeah picked up on it and then it went to the moon awesome. and right after that uh, I started flying t-38 because <clears throat> I wanted to touch on this because I know we talked about oh. you know yeah, suicides yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. yeah but, absolutely um, I, I read which your bio about um, you know losing your 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 seat in the cockpit and mm-hmm. having issues with that 2017 was probably one of the aside from when my dad died and when my mom died 2017 was probably one of the worst years of my life and i went to some i was it was a very dark time for me i'm not going to say it was depression but it was a very sad time because i was medically removed from the f-18 
Like the Navy said, you're no longer deployable. You can't be here anymore. And there was a two-year time where I didn't fly anything other than airliners. And I lost my sense of purpose. You know, yeah. my identity was a fighter pilot. That's all I knew. You know, that's what I had made fun of those people the whole time. But as soon as it was me, I was like, I don't know who I am. I don't have confidence in anything anymore. I just, I, I'm a shell. I'm a husk. You know, it's just, it was a rough, very dark time. And one of the things that while I was waiting and, and, and doing that, you know, writing got me through it and um, dogs and, you know, stuff like that. But point being, um, I was around 2018, I had finally turned the corner and had gotten back. Air Force Reserve had finally accepted my transfer back to the Air Force and they medically cleared me. And so nice. it was around that time that I was requalifying in T-38. You know, we did a little, I did a little video on that. And then Hurricane Michael happened and it wiped out Tyndall. I mean, just completely That's right. flat yeah, in yeah. place. Yeah. So I used the channel. One of the things, and this is, goes to how the channel ended up growing. Um, so every video I had, sorry, a light just apparently died on me. I hope that wasn't too <laughs> distracting. Uh, the joys the of live of television. Tonight. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things though, uh, every video I had up to that point, these people would say, Hey, you need to play DCS. And I'm like, I don't even know what DCS, Oh, lights back. Uh, well, I don't even know what DCS is. And so I came back and I said, there was a guy locally. He said, look, I've got a setup, you know, you can come play the game. And I said, okay, look, there's a GoFundMe for the victims in my squadron. You know, they, they lost everything. They're trying to set stuff up before insurance. And I said, if we can raise just $2,000, I'll go, I'll go play the game. And we raised $5,000 in last like nice. week. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So I, I played the game. We were, you know, they got the money. And then eventually, you know, it, it became, okay, well, what else can we do with this? And, and so that's how I got involved with Folds of Honor because one of the guys in the squadron is, uh, at the time he was Major Dan Rooney. Now he's Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. Uh, he's the founder of Folds of Honor. So, you know, we started saying, well, if we could raise money for Folds and, you know, I, that's how I got integrated into that community. And we've done tournaments and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's really been cool. You know, yep, it's, it's been fun, especially interacting with people. But the amount of good that's been able to come of having the channel. Last year, we raised $45,000 for charity. Nice. Um, which is just, I mean, incredible, especially in a pandemic year, you know, just being yeah, yeah. able to do something like that. And it's just, it's taken off. You know, the, the growth has been unexpected and exponential, which is just, I mean, I'm floored, you know, yeah. every time I look at it, I'm like, I, I, how, you know, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, real quickly, I'm going to bring on our COO and our merch person. We have a, uh, announcement to make that, uh, I'm a little five minutes late on, but whatever. That's <laughs> how so I roll. Hey guys. Uh, this is CW. This is, this is Nate and, uh, and Anna. How's it going, man? Hello. Hi. We've been we've been listening from the back room. Yeah, <laughs> the green room. The green room wasn't as wasn't as creepy as it sounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what's who's who's the winner? This is is this for the shoes? So this is this is for all of the raffles we did in our fundraiser last okay. week. And okay. Anna's got some basic information to share, and then we'll go through and announce the winners real quick, and then we'll let you get back to CW. All right, let's hear it. All right. So, for the gift card, we have five winners. By the way, um, everyone who's won, I will be emailing you with the email you provided. 
um, requesting information so you can get all of your gifts. So gift card, Grunstow, uh, Sarah Carter, Lawrence Gilly, P.T. Brent, Cody McDowell, Samantha Dula, Carrie Dale. Gift card and tank top. Uh, and everyone from here on out has also gotten a complimentary pack of stickers. We have Rose Dunn, Sean McBurney, Ryan Leverman, Michelle Carroll, Eric Ben Brooks, Brenda McDonald, coffee and tank top. And this is for a pack of coffee and a tank top. Jennifer McCloskey, Carla Toth, Doug Capazzi, Roy Gamboa, Quentin Wilkinson, and Kenneth oh, Miller. Q's a good guy. And now we're getting into the higher categories. The grunt style flag. Clifton Moreland. The IW flag. Patrick Little. Nice. Our fanny pack winners are David Dias, Lori Bailey, and Little Juicy, commonly known as Victoria Ross. Our one-year coffee subscription, Troy Spence. And then, for the winner of the shoes, we have our very own Shannon Tabler. Wow. Good job, Shannon. Awesome, guys. So, Thank you. Nate, go ahead. So two things. First thing is, uh, if you didn't tune in for this, don't worry. You don't have to listen for your name again. Uh, we're going to make sure that you post it up on the Irreverent Warriors page and group. And also just wanted to say thank you, 21 Gun and Anna and everybody that was on the podcast. Uh, you guys did a great job. And thanks to all of our donors. It was an incredibly successful night. And uh, your money's going to go some great places and save lives. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. I wanted those We're shoes. <laughs> I wanted those shoes. <laughs> All right, take care. Yeah, these shoes were pretty cool. They were they were like the Altima, but they had uh, our, our logo on the side. Uh, I wear the Altima, and I tell my dad I'm wearing Navy SEAL shoes. Don't be jealous. Um, oh, wait, I got to turn my volume up again here. So, um, yeah, we were talking about... Uh, folds of honor and and there was also something else too you wanted to bring up which i saw your video on and it seems really cool and that's the fight oh, yeah. uh what fights is well on. you explain fights it. on fights, fights on. on yeah so uh around the time we started with the youtube channel um I, you know i was trying to you know i was trying to get the books pushed into some kind of tv film movie kind of deal and one of the things that came up with one of the producers I was talking to, she's like, have you ever thought about, you know, hosting your own show? And I'm like, eh. she's like, no, the YouTube channel works. And she said, um, you know, you could do this, this drinking show. And I'm like, well, I'm probably not the guy because, <laughs> you know, because of uh, it's a kidney thing that I was kicked out of the Navy for and I you know, stopped drinking, you know, so I'm like, probably okay. not the guy, right? That's, yeah. that's not the thing. So I started, you know, brainstorming of like, what would be cool? You know, what would be a fun show to watch. And I eventually settled on, uh, when I was a kid, after my mom died, my dad got me this thing. It's called the Texas air aces. And what it was, was you'd go fly with, uh, military pilots in T 34s. 
and you and whoever else paid for it, and they would dogfight. It'd be a simulated dogfight. So I was like, what if I could create a show of dogfighting, taking you know people that fish out of water types, you know, gamers, uh, veterans, whatever the show may be, but take them and have them compete against each other safely in a comp in a competitive environment. So. That's what we did, but as you may know, flying aircraft is not cheap. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of the problems now is networks and stuff aren't taking paper pitches. You know, they don't want, uh, you know, the idea is great, but what they, if they, if you want to retain any kind of creative control, you have to show them that you can do it, that you can produce it, that you can do all that. So I partnered with a production company and we started this Indiegogo campaign to fund a pitch or pilot episode of the show, uh, flying Marchetti S211s, which are little jet trainers. Um, and we're gonna try to try to do uh, an episode of it. And 5% of what we raise is gonna go to Folds of Honor. And what's cool also in the episode is if we're able to fully fund the thing, what we wanna do is take a Folds of Honor recipient, so scholarship recipient, because that's what they do, educational scholarships for the children of the fallen and put them in a jet and as like the last you know couple five minutes three to five minutes of the show have their stories told so they're flying in the jet just having a good time and we're telling the story of their parent you know cw whatever was killed in iraq and an apache or or whatever that story may be to honor their sacrifice but also raise awareness for a worthy cause that's that's awesome. The um, it, it just harkens to the idea that this this comes up all the time on the show, is the creative outlets that we have uh, in the 21st century. You know the, yeah. uh, I think our grandparents and our, our parents and and gosh even even a half a generation ago, uh, the most they had was maybe I can write a, a blog or maybe I can write a book or maybe I can you know whatever. Um, but I mean to be able to like that. That idea that you have right there alone, 25 years ago, where would you even begin? Where would you even begin? But to be yeah. able to break into an audience with YouTube and, you know, and reach people that want to hear what you have to say, and then also have the wherewithal to put together something. I mean, that's just, that's just incredible. I love hearing stories like that because I think it's going to be successful. And, and if no one picks it up, I mean, you made the pilot, right? What's, what's to stop you yeah. from working your way, you know, doing yeah. your own thing? Hopefully we do. I mean, it's it's based on you know whether we can raise the money. We've got uh, 45 days. We can stretch that to 60 days. But um, you know, so far so good. You know, we're 24 hours into it, and you know we're about 10 percent. But uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be able to uh, to make it happen and and do some stuff for a worthy cause and and actually have a fun show. I mean, hell, I, that's something I just look at and I go, I would watch it even if yeah. I'm not the one trying to come up with it. I definitely about 20 years ago, maybe longer is when I was in flight school, they had a, uh, a reality show called, I think it was called fighter pilot. American and fighter pilot. Yeah. yeah. The, the Eagles. At, yeah. Uh, the Eagle guys. Yeah. yeah. It was great. I mean, it was it, for a guy who's in all of five episodes. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It didn't last. I mean, it's a, it's a niche audience, uh, which again, right. If you're doing something on a network, you're just blasting it out there and saying, I hope we reach the people that we want to reach. Yeah. But you're gonna reach the people you're gonna reach. I mean, you reach them every day. So what what is yeah. the the website? Do you know I'm not gonna spell it right? I N D I E G O G O. Uh, yeah, if you just go to <laughs> fightsontv.com. Fights on TV.com, that will point you to the 
Indiegogo. Like it says, donate now. It'll point you to the Indiegogo. It's it's okay. Let's let's see if I I did this right. Yes. All right. So head over to fightsontv.com, and it, it's it's obviously it's it's more than just a project. It's got meaning behind it with uh, folds, um, yeah. folds of honor, and uh, even like you said, telling the story. So, hey, thank you for bearing with me on this yeah, uh, solo show. Absolutely, it's fun. Uh, every every guest that comes on, I say I better see you at a Silkies hike at some point. Now, being Air Force, I was unaware of Silkies, uh, although I was yeah. at Pope Air Force Base with the CCTs and they would run by with theirs on and I kind of was a little jealous. Mm. Uh, and the Navy, I don't know what they do for PT. Do they even PT? No, they do. They PT more than the Air Force. We had to do mandatory <laughs> PT every, we look like minions because it's that yellow with the blue. Yeah, like, we look like, we, we did jazzercise in the gym, it was awful. That's so funny, it's but, <laughs> but, uh, okay, the Army, they call them Ranger panties. But anyways, all services uh, can go. Where, where are you located? Where do you live? Uh, I'm in the New Orleans area, uh, okay. flying out of Eglin. Okay. Uh, Baton Rouge hike was last week. That was our first, or no, two weeks ago. That was our first hike. Okay. Um, but, I mean, they're all over Texas. They're all over, they're all over everywhere. Uh, well, we'll be filming in Texas. So the, the show will be, if we are able to reach our goal, we'll be filming in Texas. So awesome. there you go. What, what airfield? Uh, out of Fort Worth. Um, okay. We're, we're doing one of the small, it's just a small, it's not a lion. Well, part of it will be an alliance. And then there's another a little small airfield that we'll be able to operate out of. I did all my undergraduate navigator training, uh, in Texas and yeah, flew okay. all over that area and loved it. Um, yeah. but thank you CW Le and uh, yeah. Lemoyne. Like, That's it. like Des Moines. You it. That's <laughs> Thank it. you, C.W. Yep. <laughs> Lemoyne, for coming on. Uh, head over to fightsontv.com. Donate to his Indiegogo and see if we can get this thing off the ground. But I appreciate your time. If you guys didn't come on and tell your stories, then we would not have a show. So uh, really, really do feeling. appreciate it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on. All right, guys. Uh, that was the show. I think I did all right. Um, just shows you how important you are, Jeremy. How important you are to me. Uh, head over to irreverentwarriors.com and look up the events near you. Find a Silky's Hike uh, and participate. And if you don't want to participate, do it anyways. Find someone that you served with, drag them on a hike, an uncle, the crazy uncle who lives up in North Country, drag him out to a, um, a hike. Uh, what else? Call, text, do whatever. Get in touch with people you served with. It means a lot. I mean, CW was just telling his story how he he was in a dark place too, right? So all these people that were like, you know, this guy's a fighter pilot. He's indestructible and he was struggling. So, I mean, you're not immune to it. And the whole point of Irreverent Warriors is, oh, let me take this down. The whole point of um, Irreverent Warriors is to prevent suicide. In order to do that, you got to put what do they say that where the rubber meets the road, you got to get out there. you got to call your buddies. You got to text your buddies. You got to take them to Silky's hikes and keep them not isolated. Right. Okay, guys, that is all. We'll be back to normal next week, August, August March 25th. Uh, I don't have the list of guests coming up, but I'm sure it's going to be a cool person. Uh, March has had a lot of cool guests. So, uh, I think it'll be fun, and uh, that is all, guys. So we will see you next week.